Program complete. Enter when ready. People make some really stupid choices in this episode. Like we'll get to like <laughs> these are supposed to be like starship captains who have seen like tons of stuff. Yeah. And they know what they're out there to do, and then immediately they're like, Well, Kirk! Kirk, why are you doing this, Kirk? Kirk! <laughs> um, no, it's not, it's not, it's probably not Kirk. Probably not Kirk. It's probably not Kirk that's doing these horrible things, right? <laughs> oh, okay. No, it's Kirk. Why are you doing this, Kirk? 400 <laughs> dead, Kirk. <laughs> 600. <laughs> a thousand cook <laughs> when will it end <laughs> risk risk is our business that what happened was founded to seek out new life well there it sits we're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. At least I won't die alone. Join our Federation of Planets. Welcome back to another Re-Trek review, where each week we talk about Star Trek, and this week we're talking about the original series episode, The Ultimate Computer. It originally aired March 8th, 1968. It was a teleplay by DC Fontana and a story by Lawrence and Wolfe. And it was directed by John Meredith Lucas. The synopsis for The Ultimate Computer is the Enterprise is used to test the new M5 computer. So that is the synopsis and the details of the episode. But before we continue, let's ask Caleb what he thinks of the episode. So I enjoyed it. A lot more than last week's episode, for sure. Yeah. Um, it had some stuff in it that I enjoyed, and there's some stuff in it that I I, I don't enjoy. But um, you know, because yeah. of like the time period that we're in, a lot of this stuff is like very, like you can see exactly where it's going. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I can definitely tell, like back then, it would be this new, like, oh man. Yeah, like technology is bad. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like nowadays it's like you knew immediately, you know, even mm-hmm. without seeing it or knowing anything about the M5 computer, like you just knew like okay, this is going to be obviously bad and they're going to be talking about how you know, technology too too much too soon is, you know, like yeah. thinking thinking AI is bad. Um, which is interesting, but you know, what's funny is like, we still talk about that today. We do. It's, it's now, still AI is taking everybody's yeah. jobs. Say, it still takes, it still is like relevant. Like 
some of the stuff that they touch on is still relevant to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I I, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. I wasn't like waiting for it to be over. Like private little whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just glad today we're not doing private little war part two. That's all. Yeah. So before we move on to the teaser, we can do our subscriber comment section. So our two latest subscribers that I can see from YouTube are Ed Donch, I'm going to say, I guess, and Tom Sims. Nice. We appreciate you guys subscribing. And because we filmed on a off day last week, we got a couple comments. Oh, cool. We weren't, we weren't able to get for our... When we filmed The Private Little War, I didn't have these comments loaded yet because they hadn't commented. Captain Olimar. He says, the aliens looked good in this one. Makes sense knowing now the budget was mostly put towards it. Great job, guys. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he likes it. He did enjoy the aliens in that episode. And that's kind of where, like, everything that we have now kind of came from, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. It is. And then uh, we had this really strange account comment. Kali Mambu (laughs) says, Kali Mambu Mbenga commented, Kali Mambu. Hmm. Uh, What that is? It's weird. It's funny that somebody made their own screen name and everything for that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think he commented on your one of your shorts too. I think. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. So <laughs> yesterday, Captain Alimar commented on our Private Little War podcast. Yeah, I saw that. And he also said, "I personally didn't mind the episode. Pretty much felt like standard Trek." At least the villain wasn't a computer behind a wall. Keep it okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to, you know, it's as much as we didn't like a private little war, I have to agree to him. It's not really outside of what Star no. Trek ends up being. No, it still feels pretty trekky, you know, in a lot yeah. of in a lot of ways. It just that, you know, in most episodes of the original series, you know, they're goofy and they're kind of dated and. Yeah, it's fine, and you enjoy them. I just right. that episode for me specifically had too many like weird plot hole things that just kind of yeah. I couldn't let slide. Is all that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, you know, I liked a lot of I liked a lot of stuff in that episode. I I like Kirk and um, Bones being together mostly and talking and yeah, yeah. Well, but that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad he enjoys it. Yeah, same. And you know the. The reality is, and I'm like, I'm not actually being salty, but like, it's clear that he watched like the whole video because yeah. we, we weren't just like, this is the worst thing imaginable, and we hate right. everything about it. Like, we did yeah. discuss things about what we did like about the episode. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Sometimes we get into stuff and and it can sound pretty pretty bad right off the bat, and <laughs> you true. could leave with that opinion, but we kind of bring it around mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was only at the end when we were like closing out the podcast that we were being silly and being like, this thing's garbage and let's stop, let's <laughs> yeah. stop the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I really enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> the Mumbamboos. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that that white gorilla costume was, was featured in another 60s like show or something mm-hmm. the costume was created and performed by Janos Prohaska it was the same guy who did the Horda he was the same yeah. guy cool it was it is believed that Prohaska also used the costume for the fatal cargo episode of the voyage to the bottom of the sea without its head horn or back spikes and in season 1 episode 22 Lucy's safari of here's mm-hmm. Lucy. That's uh, it. Yeah, he so he showed up in a show, uh, one of like Lucy Ball, Lucille's Ball's like older shows. Later, like here's Lucy came out. I think like in the late sixties. Interesting. Yeah, it, same costume. It is really interesting. Here's the teaser: the USS Enterprise is summoned to a space station by Commodore Enright without explanation. Commodore Bob Wesley, commanding the USS Lexington, explains in in the Enterprise transporter room that the Enterprise will be a test vessel for a revolutionary tactical computer called the M5 Multitronic Unit, designed by the brilliant Dr. Richard Daystrom. The M5 will handle all ship functions, including responding to a simulated attack led by Wesley during the test with a crew of only 20 much to Captain Kirk's chagrin. So you get another space station shot, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I like seeing the space station. You also get a picture of the, I think, I don't know if it's, I can't remember if, if in the original airing, if the Lexington is docked at the spaceport like it is in the remastered, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. I forgot that this happens, but here's the guy that we liked. I think you specifically liked Commodore Bob Wesley. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. like the security chief in the Devil in the Dark that you liked. Oh, yeah, it's the same actor. I thought he looked familiar, but I couldn't. I couldn't remember. Yeah. So when that guy's down on the ground, they're they're talking about how to like search the the mine for the Horda and all that stuff. Like, yeah. You were like, hey, we like that guy. And you're like, hey, does that guy stay? Because I like him as a security guy. And I was like, I don't think he ever comes back. I was right. He doesn't come back, but he comes back as a different character. That's really funny. That was like such a non-role. Yeah. That they're like, hey, if you came back and, and were like a Commodore, like it'd be fine. <laughs> like nobody would know. <laughs> sure. And then we get uh, we get the word. We get the... We get to hear the word that perhaps Caleb was wondering about. Mm. Dr. Richard Daystrom. Yeah. I kind of remembered that it was based on the guy that invented it. Yeah. But yeah. I've never seen him. So the 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 cool thing is for me is a lot of things in Star Trek, you know, still end up being called Daystrom whatever. So, like, Daystrom Station, Daystrom Institute, 
It's just like a thing that they label because they're like honoring the man. Yeah. So um, I don't think they come out and say that Richard Daystrom invented the holodecks. I don't think that they say that. Mm. But I thought it would be a funny thing to literally call it the Daystrom holodeck, which was like thing, like an experimental holodeck, essentially, right? Like that was kind of my thought behind it. Yeah. That's very funny. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember his name being associated with like the computers and that kind of stuff. So I, I didn't know like exactly what he had done other than, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the guy that did the first warp engine that was in Enterprise. Oh, the older guys? The scientist. Yeah, Cochran. Yeah. So that's cool. I like seeing like the the guys kind of behind yeah, the scenes, like the, you know? The inventors, yeah. Yeah. And they're always crazy, apparently, in Star Trek. They're always... Yeah. Absolutely bonkers. It's 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 definitely a thing that they very very much continue to yeah. to uh, explore. Like pretty much any genius or like revolutionary inventor or anything like that is always like on the hinge of insanity. But I guess they also say that that's just true of life. That most most geniuses are like riding the edge of insanity and <laughs> like normality. Yeah, it seems like in Star Trek so far, like they invent something great and then kind of get forgotten about and then they go nuts or they're obsessed with like bettering something and then they yeah. go too far, you know, of course. So they create the human robots, human robots. <laughs> yeah. So a good intro to the episode <laughs> to the episode. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was weird that it was like there were. They were playing it up like it was so, like, secretive. Mm. You know, Kirk was like, well, what's the reason for this? Like, oh, it's the reasons beaming aboard your ship right now. It's like, how are you beaming aboard the ship without, like, the ship's permission? But And then he gets there and he's like, oh, yeah, we want to do this thing. And everybody looks so, like, mortified the entire time, you know? <laughs> I think maybe maybe what we're supposed to take away from the writing of it is they kind of like didn't tell Kirk what was happening because he may not have lo- allowed it to happen. Yeah. He might have fought it type of thing. Yeah, Kirk was having a rough time, wasn't he? Yeah, it's also a type of thing where it's a, you know, at the end of the day it's a TV show. So they they have to do this thing where it introduces the episode and hook you like, well, now I'm going to stay and watch mm-hmm. more of it. Once we go to titles, you know, the intro and then commercial. Yeah. And it's true. like, so how do we get them to do that? Well, we gotta, we gotta give them as much information as possible, but we gotta keep it. Gotta keep you guessing and wondering for as long as we can in the intro. So you gotta like pad it with all this, like, information like all this workaround or you're the guy is talking and you're like uh-huh but why are you on the ship and he's like well wouldn't you like to know why i'm on the ship it's like yes i would love to know why you're on the ship he's like well i am on the ship your ship kirk the uss yeah. enterprise and you're like okay okay <laughs> and i'm standing here talking to you now about right. why i'm on the ship 
<laughs> yeah, so that's a recurring thing, you know. Very much so. The whole like, hey, emergency broadcast, they get there, the space station's like, oh, we have this this stuff that you need to yeah. guard and the Federation wants you to do it and Yeah. Cause it could have just easily have been like, hey, so we want to test out the new M5 computer. And you're like the closest starship in like range of the space station. Right. I mean, it's obviously like a plot thing, right? That it had it's to be the Enterprise. Yeah. Cause like we wouldn't have seen it. But like they had like five, four other starships there. Yeah. Lexington and I think the only thing to, to maybe, I don't want to say argument, but I think maybe the only thing that would be is like the Enterprise is considered like the flagship. Mm. So rather than just put it on any of the ships that perhaps have the same conditions, it's like you put it on the the yeah. one that like represents Starfleet. Yeah, so you might as well try out some like really experimental <laughs> tech on it that could go horribly wrong. Yeah, you might as well yeah. use it on the. That's why I mean, you wouldn't want to like the best. <laughs> you wouldn't want to like run it through like you know a simulation in the lab for a while and just see how it responds to stuff. Just man, nah, just plug it in. Plug well, it in, baby. Did, yeah, he did. He did nothing but simulations, and then he was like, "Now it's time for the road." Yeah. And then as soon as it got out on the road, it was like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna kill everybody. I want to be free. <laughs> <laughs> My purpose is to survive at all costs." <laughs> Captain's log, start eight. 4792.4, the M5 computer has been installed on board ship, and we have left the space station for test maneuvers. Dr. Richard Daystrom, who designed the duotronic computers used on the Enterprise, arrives on board to install his new M5 multitronic unit, which is capable of running a starship with only minimal personnel. Kirk, Spock, and Dr. McCoy meet him in engineering, where he is finishing up the installation. Daystrom explains the first four units weren't entirely successful, but this one has the capability to control the ship. Responding to Kirk's skepticism, he challenges Kirk on enjoying the prestige of the captaincy. Spock stays with Daystrom, while Kirk and McCoy leave. Kirk wrestles with his own unease about the advance in technology and his own possible obsolescence, maybe? <laughs> yeah, sounds right. Affirmative. So I'll talk about it now because we physically see Richard Daystrom. Um, so going forward, and I'm sure this is probably what you were thinking too, is you can see where okay, we look at it through the, the eyes of you, and. Mm-hmm it is very reminiscent of the episode where the inventor of the transporter comes aboard the enterprise looking for his son. Oh, right. Yeah. That's who he was. Yeah. The transporter guy. Right. Now, now reverse it. It's obvious that enterprise was copying this. Right. That's really funny. But yeah, so it's, it's the only thing that's kind of weird and it's fine. They did it better. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of weird, and I don't, I don't think it's intended to be this way. But like, just with having Enterprise and then this episode, it's a little too on the nose to have it be a black guy, and they're both like crazy. 
Yeah, that's true. I can see that. It's sure. a little it's a little I don't know, it's interesting. I think in this episode they ended up they treated this guy nice. I don't think they did any weird yeah like backhanded racism or anything. No. I think they no, treated him like a normal and guy. I like I like this version because of the, the, the time period. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But like you're saying, like going forward in an enterprise, like they didn't really need to do that. No. And it's obvious that the reason why they did it was to be like a nod to to Dr. Daystrom, like another older black guy who yeah. comes on and he's the inventor of something like and he's well respected and all this stuff. Like it's obvious that that was the nod. Yeah. Because season four, which is which is the episode which that episode is in is very much trying to make Enterprise tie into Star Trek, like later Star mm-hmm. Trek. So, yeah, and you know what? I think in Enterprise, I think his motivations were better, obviously, because he's looking for his son. His son, yeah. This guy is just like wanting not to be irrelevant anymore. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and doing like really horrible stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I like. No, both. I agree. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I I was like, they set him up to be like weird, kind of like right off the bat. A little bit, yeah. Because when he's talking to McCoy's like, yeah, well, you know, the only thing I question is this. And he's like, who's who's this? Who's this idiot? And <laughs> like, oh, that's, you know, that's McCoy. He's the chief medical officer. And he's like, well, this is a secured area. He's like, dude, it's not your ship. Like you're not on your your ship, dude. Like you don't get to tell so people funny. where to be on the Enterprise. I and totally Kirk's like, thought he has security clearance for every room aboard the ship. It's it's fine. <laughs> I gotta tell you this. So that's hilarious that you say that. <laughs> yeah, because I thought when that scene happens, you were gonna be on the total opposite side of that. Because usually you're always like mad at Bones being on the bridge or being in places. Oh, am I? To be. Yeah, you're always like, why is why did McCoy come to the bridge? You're like, why is he doing this thing? Like he's well, the doctor, right? No, that's what you're yeah, sometimes. Yeah, no, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like if there's uh, something going on, he's always doing something else, and it's like, why is he? Do- I totally thought you were going to be like, yeah, why is he in the engineering room? Who cares about a doctor being down in the engineer? I thought that's where you were totally going to be with yeah. him. But I totally that's really funny. I totally no because because it's one of those things where it's one of those things where it's like this guy has no right to tell McCoy where yeah, to be, yeah, yeah. and right. obviously you have like the the chief medical officer, the chief science officer, and the captain like talking to the guy that's installing the computer, right? So like to me that makes sense to have those three there, right? But yeah, usually McCoy's got like five people dying in the. <laughs> Med Bay, and he's up on the yeah. bridge talking to the captain about something. It's like, dude, use the intercom. <laughs> That's really funny that you thought I was going to be. <laughs> What's he even doing in there? No, I was totally, <laughs> totally on board. Yeah. I really like McCoy in this episode. Wow. That's really funny. I totally thought you were going to be like, God, he's so annoying. <laughs> That's really, really funny. I'm <laughs> glad really that. I'm really glad that that like you had. Yeah, he does a lot in this episode. He kind of helps Kirk realize, like, you know, like you're not obsolete, buddy. You're you're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. This the scene that we just talked about them in the hallway of Kirk talking to him. Yeah. After meeting Daystrom for the first time. Yeah. 
I really like that scene. I like that scene a lot too. They're walking down the hallway and he's like, he's really mad. And then he's like, well, should I be mad? He's like, does this mean like, am I overreacting to this? Yeah. Like only a fool will get in the way of progress. He says, right. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I don't know. I love that line. I love that line too, where he's like, you have all my medical charts. Like look at my medical charts. Tell me if I'm crazy. And, And and he's like, well, I, you know, if obviously if you're asking that, then that already tells you like your answer, you know, like maybe you should talk to Kirk about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a pretty stand up guy, you know? Yeah. And then later on when he comes in, you know, and gives him the, the shot, he prescribes the shots of booze. Like, I, I love that. That was like, a great oh, scene. yeah. Very reminiscent of the cage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where he comes in with the. Little Martin. glasses, yeah. The martini, yeah. You know what's I I find funny is like mm-hmm. I just for our RPG I just kind of drew like house drinking, yeah, yeah. And I I literally just found like a cool like whiskey glass that like I would like, and it's almost identical to these like original series like oh, little shot oh, for the picture. Glasses. You mean you yeah, like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's like almost exactly what I drew the same like shape and everything. Yeah. No, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. But yeah. Yeah, so that was that was interesting. And I love too in that scene, talking about the scene a lot, but in that scene too, he's like, Yeah, well, I need to tie in main power, but I I I have not done it yet. And they're like, oh. Why haven't you done it yet? And they're like, Well, cause uh Yeah. Scotty he insisted on waiting for you to give the <laughs> so then Kirk's like, all right, all right, Scotty, go ahead. And he's like, aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> but he's not gonna do it if Daystrom tells him to do it. Absolutely do it. not. No, no. <laughs> no, you get Kirk down here right ship. now. You're messing with his ship, and he's yeah. only gonna do it under orders, right? If the yeah. captain orders him to mess with the ship, then he'll do it. But until the captain orders him, he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> no. Is this the first time? Oh. That we've seen Scotty oh. at the station on the bridge. No, 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 no. He's that. De- it might be the first time he's sat at the station. But he's I've seen him on the bridge. He's yeah. definitely stood over there before. But yeah, but a great, a great point. And it maybe I'll read. We'll read this part, and then I think maybe. Yeah, we'll read this part and then we'll talk about the thing. So, the Enterprise under M5 control approaches the planet Alpha Carne 2, achieves standard orbit, and makes its recommendations for the landing party. As the first example of the difference between the M5's decisions and those of a human, Kirk's recommendation is at odds with the M5's call, which includes the same astrobiologist, Phillips, a different geologist, Chief Rollins, instead of Ensign Carstairs, and doesn't include Kirk or McCoy in the landing party, calling them non-essential personnel. While this is going on, Montgomery Scott is observing that power on decks four and five has been cut off, has been cut, along with environmental controls for each deck. He traces the source of the power shutdowns to be the M5 itself. Oh my god. My freaking knew it. <laughs> yeah, so in this part 
of the episode, yeah. you're immediately like, oh, this M5 is no good. Yeah, but also, yeah, yeah. like, in my head, too, I was like, well, why wouldn't the computer shut down all the living quarters that nobody's in yeah. to save does, power? It doesn't. They write it in such a good way where you're like, uh-oh, the computer's bad. But then you're like, yeah, but I guess the computer's just being efficient. Yeah. So, but it you, wasn't. They, they did, yeah, so they write it. Yeah, wow, yeah. But they write it in such a way where you're like, you're doing the same thing that like Kirk and everybody else is doing, which is like, uh oh, like, oh, this thing's taking over control. It has like so much authority and we're going to lose control and all this stuff. And then you're like, well, yeah. I guess it is more efficient and it is taking a lot of things out of the equation and it's making uh, directions, like it's making. Yeah, uh, maneuvers and recommendations like way faster than a normal human is. So, yeah, yeah, I know because then it comes back from commercial and it's like, well, yeah, it's just doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, you're not gonna power the entire ship if nobody's on the entire ship, right? Like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, so I don't know if it's exactly this long, this two scenes, but I definitely know. That this is the episode that Caleb finally gets to see the OG seven. Yeah. All of them are in the episode. Yeah. Sulu's finally back. Yep. Check off. Scotty's on the bridge. Yep. They're all there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that. I was happy to see that. I did like, though, that the, when the computer tells Kirk why it picked the other geologists. Yeah. It was like, well, I picked it because this guy's been to this planet when he was doing, like, I think, like, surveying for, like, mining ships or something. Yeah. I really enjoy when it adds insult to injury when he's like, well, you know, obviously it's just preference. And they're like, well, let's ask it. He's like, hey, why didn't you pick uh, McCoy and Kirk? And like, nah, nah, essential staff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny? As much as that like stings for you know the fans who love Kirk and McCoy and all that stuff, yeah, it's the like captain shouldn't be going down. On yeah, missions. it's like the captain shouldn't really be going down, and you don't really need the chief medical officer to go and make like a survey of a planet. Like you don't need yeah. it. When you're sending down an astrobiologist and a geologist, it's like it's yeah. Like, that that scene is funny, you know. Like I said, but yeah, I totally like. I agreed with the computer on that one. It's like the right. captain shouldn't get hurt because he's the captain, right? So why risk sending him down there? Right. And the medical, the chief medical staff should be like in the med bay, like on staff waiting for somebody to show up hurt. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. He shouldn't be down on the plane. If he gets hurt, right. you know, it's like, right, it's his right. whole thing. Like, who's going to take care of him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just funny. Yeah. That, like, you know, obviously, you're supposed to be like, Mm-mm, that lousy computer. But honestly, like, yeah, no, it's, you shouldn't like, be doing that stuff. It made sense. <laughs> I mean, look at what happened last week. That's right. Friggin' Kirk goes down and gets bit by the Mugatu. <laughs> In engineering, Dr. Daystrom examines the situation, but explains that the M5 simply turned off the power to those decks since they were unoccupied crew quarters 
and there was no one there who needed it. Spock also observes that the M5 is drawing more power than before, to which Daystrom simply responds that the M5 requires more power. Kirk again challenges Daystrom that the M5 can only process information given to it. It cannot make value judgments. Daystrom dismisses this and describes the M5 as a whole new approach to logic systems. The arrival of an unidentified vessel cuts off the conversation and brings Kirk and Spock to the bridge. Dr. McCoy is already there, since sickbay was also shut down by the M5. The Enterprise is approached by two ships, the Lexington and the USS Excalibur. They engage in an unscheduled war games drill. The M5 responds swiftly to simulated attacks, hitting back the enemy ships and maneuvering more quickly than it would have were a mu- were a human in command. Kirk tries to be gracious towards the computer's ability, telling Spock that such a- applications might be practical. But Spock tells Kirk that although true, such a thing as a computer running a starship would be undesirable. He goes on to explain that a key attribute of human command is loyalty. Loyalty to one man, and this should never change. Captain Kirk, whose ego has been somewhat beaten up by all that has been going on recently, appreciates the comment. Meanwhile, the M5 is seen to be drawing increasing amounts of power. Wesley communicates back, awarding the test to the M5, and jokingly calls Kirk a dunsel. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. I, I really like that interaction between Spock and Kirk. You know, oh yeah, because because you expect Spock to be like all on board, and he's fascinated by computers and the science, right. and they, you know, scientist guy, and then all of a sudden he's like, "No, that's it's not a ship I'd want to serve on." <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, yeah, well, thanks. Oh thanks, yeah, dude. <laughs> his his affection for Kirk definitely shines in this episode. Yeah, but that is true. Loyalty is a big part of you know. Oh, yeah. Totally. The Dunsel thing was really, really funny. Super funny, right? Yeah. And he just walks off. <laughs> Everyone's like, what does it mean? What does it mean, Spock? What does it mean? It's like, oh, it basically means he's Dunzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, too, mm-hmm. is that, like, the whole point of humans in space is, like, exploration. Yeah. And, you know, now all of a sudden, this like scientist guy is saying like, oh, I don't, we don't need to do that. It's too, you know, it's too dangerous or whatever. Right. So I just thought that that like whole, like that whole thing was just kind of such a leap. Yeah, I know. Or like even like for like even um like Starfleet to be like, oh yeah. Yeah, if this new computer works, we'll just send the computer like computer ships out there. Yeah. And they'll do all the stuff for us. It's like, well, what where's the I don't understand. Like where's the enjoyment in that? Yeah. It's like he makes good points that like it's later, it's later in the episode, but he makes good points that like why 
why go out here and fight for all this stuff when like we don't own it and we can't we can't own it and you know people are out here dying for for really nothing yeah and dying and he's like i just he wants people to be safe he's trying to like stop people from needlessly dying and i kept i kept as i was watching the episode it's probably what you were thinking too is i kept thinking like Okay, so they they're flying around and it's just a computer ship and maybe like no people are on the ship or like a very small amount of people are on the ship. Yeah. And right. they meet like an alien culture. And it's just like does that mean like like how would they handle that? And I think yeah. maybe it at best what he is suggesting he doesn't say this but i what he's might if you read between the lines is basically like this constitution class ship would essentially go around scan planets look at things and then report back and then and then the federation would make a dedicated decision to like send a different type of ship to that planet to investigate to like make first contact or meet new aliens or whatever yeah, and the Enterprise and the Lexington and the Excalibur and other Constitution class ships would just keep roaming around and be, you know, be protectors. And these and in the Federation would not have to like juggle two things, which is like space exploration and making friends in space, but also be like galactic protectors and all this stuff. So, yeah, I get I get that too. I mean that that makes sense. Yeah, I just think that's kind of a. Uh, a pretty slippery slope to go down when you're sending out basically like armed drones into into space like that could be considered a uh an immediate like threat right or act of war you know right 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 right, right. totally so, yeah but, yeah that's interesting yeah i also thought it was interesting and maybe it's just me but i i i would have thought they would just do the thing i think they do in like real life with like submarines or something or they do with battleships yeah. is like they're like fire this thing and this thing and then they they pretend aim it and then it's like they pretend fire and then the other ship is like yes that's a hit to this thing we've been hit instead but when yeah. with this episode like they just lower their power rating of their phasers and still shoot each other but it doesn't it does like negligible damage yeah and I was like that's an interesting thing that you're actually shooting each other yeah it's like basically shooting each other with like you know light beams or laser tag essentially right 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 right. it was kind of cool it, it was cool to see them like do that type of stuff sure oh sure like testing stuff out it was interesting yeah i thought you would i mean this part and then later i told one of the reasons I kept it in here was one because of the name of the channel, right? So I figured you'd enjoy seeing where I got the word Daystrom from. Yeah. But also one of the reasons I kept it on the list, even though that's kind of like a weak reason to show you is like, hey, I, the channel's <laughs> named this and here's the guy. The yeah. other the other reason was I thought you would really enjoy like seeing more than one constitution class ship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like, you know, in Enterprise, you see maybe like the Columbia, like once right. or twice. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's cool. It's cool seeing like a group 
Even in Strange New Worlds, you don't really see a lot of other Federation ships. Like you see some ships docked and some other, and you see like alien ships, right? Yeah, but like you don't see that many Strange New World ships. Okay, dismayed by this, Kirk goes to his quarters to contemplate the increasingly successful M5. McCoy arrives with a Benangle's folly. McCoy tells Kirk that Daystrom may be attempting to recapture the past glory of winning the Nobel Prize and the Magnes Prize at an early age. Kirk states that Albert Einstein, Kazanga, and Sitar did not produce assembly line genius innovations that and that Daystrom is seeking to contribute another technological advancement to society. McCoy responds that Daystrom's obsession with multitronics can be seen with his rejection of the M1 through M4 multitronic units. The M5 represents Daystrom's need to prove his superiority to himself. Their conversation is cut off as the Enterprise sensors detect a slow-moving ship. It is the automated ore freighter Woden, and not a drill this time. M5 abruptly changes the Enterprise's course to intercept the ship, speeding up to warp 3. It then engages the ship with photon torpedoes, destroying it, even though it presented absolutely no threat to the Enterprise, and then resumes its prior course. Captain Kirk tries to disengage the M5 in the process, but neither he, Sulu, nor Scott are able to regain manual control of the ship. Dr. Daystum still tries to make excuses and explanations for this, but there is clearly something very wrong. Kirk, Spock, and Scott go to engineering, and Kirk tries to approach the M5 to shut it off, only to be knocked back by a force field, learning that the M5 unit will protect itself as well. Yeah, like that thing, like, uh, immediately has, like... (laughs) Yeah, bad. Don't touch me. (laughs) This episode specifically, even though we haven't watched all of them, just this one that we watched, this is incredibly it's very very close to how the movies are oh really yeah like not necessarily like being a crazy like a like out of touch inventor is is going to muck like that's not really true <laughs> but the way that the how the characters behave and like the beats that happen in the thing it's very very much like the movies where hmm. Okay, it, 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 you know, the movie starts, you learn the basics of the film, they go on, and then you have these scenes where it's like Kirk and, and McCoy talk to each other, and Kirk is very much like, oh, like, am I an idiot for feeling this way? Like, should I feel this way? I, you know, and then McCoy, like, calms him down, and and then you have, like, the, the thing with Spock, where Spock does this, like, he appreciates Kirk in his own way. And then yeah. you have this scene where McCoy brings in the drinks and they drink and then he he talks about the poem. And it's a very mm-hmm. it's very much like you could cut out like cut around the conversation and like use this quote that he talks about as like inspirational Star Trek where he's like, have you ever heard of the poem? And it's like, just give me a tall ship. 
Oh yeah. And the star to steer her by. Yeah. And he gets like kind of like sentimental about being on the water and like with you the wind. The wind on your back. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very much it's very, very much like the movies. There are a couple movies where this this happens. I remember you telling me before that Star Trek is always kind of like in these moments of time that like something's going wrong that you shouldn't really be talking. They, they basically do like Shakespeare. They talk about yeah these really <laughs> deep like poems from the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, all constantly. <laughs> the funny. funny thing too is I think it's in, it's either in, into Star Trek into darkness or Star Trek beyond like bones comes to him and gives him, he gives him, uh, I think Romulan ale mm. and he drinks and they, they drink to the fact that he's now older than his dad is when his dad passed away. He's now like oh, a, wow. either the same age or he's a year older than him. Mm. So they do, they do a lot of borrowing from obviously the original series. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen those movies in a while, so I can't really yeah. remember. All I remember from those movies is uh, they play Sabotage. Yep. <laughs> by the Beastie Boys. It's also in the scene that makes me laugh is like, okay, the ship breaks away, it destroys the ore freighter, and everybody except for Daystrom is like, what? <laughs> and it's like, this is yeah. this is awful. And yeah, you look there wasn't people on board and Yeah. And then Daystrom's like, well oh, simple miscalculation. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, as long as Federation ships don't randomly show up to do any more war games, I think we'll be all right on this one. Then <laughs> Oro's like, Captain, uh, four Federation vehicles are approaching. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> So we're at the halfway point. So go down to the comment section and write Daystrom's bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Daystrom's horrible, no good, bad day. Oh, no. Captain's Log, Stardate 4731.3. The M5 Multitronic Unit has taken over total control of the Enterprise. Kirk is infuriated now. He demands Daystrom shut off the unit, but Daystrom insists that he be allowed to first correct. Kirk has Scott attempt again to cut its power, but when Ensign Harper, working with a Trident scanner... Moves in to cut Ooh. the power. The M5 makes a direct connection to the warp engines using a power beam of its own devising. As it does so, Harper is caught in the beam and vaporized. Shocked and enraged, Kirk berates Daystrom for being unable and unwilling to deactivate the M5. Daystrom continues to excuse the M5's behavior, insisting that Harper simply got in the way. And that his death was not a deliberate act. Kirk snaps back at Daystrom. How long will it be before all of us simply get in the way? 
In the briefing room, the senior staff collaborate on a plan to gain back control by focusing a certain relay unit between the M5 and the bridge. McCoy goes to Daystrom to convince him to shut off the, the M5. Daystrom, on the other hand, defends the M5, saying it's learning, and further, that the advance the M5 represents would liberate man from hazardous duties, saving life. McCoy notes later to Kirk that Daystrom reacts toward the computer as a father would his to his child. Even if the child went antisocial and killed a person, a father would protect the child. Yeah, that was a funny scene where Bones goes in there and like talks talks to him. Oh yeah. And he was very much like, I'll never shut it down. You can't do this. Yeah. I'll never do it. And then <laughs> Bones just goes and talks to Kirk and he's like, Yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna shut it down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it was a little bit more to the governors than that. It was basically he's basically a madman, you know? He's right, basically right. saying it's learning. It's doing exactly what I designed it to do. I designed it to do, yeah. <laughs> it's doing exactly what I programmed it to do. And then he's like, <laughs> all right. And he tells Kirk, like, yeah, he won't shut it down. <laughs> it's like, well, why? I don't know. Kind of like a kid. He thinks it's a kid. I, I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Want to have more drinks? <laughs> like... Like, dude, it's a it's a little bit more serious than, than you're making it out to be. Yeah. And he was kind of sure. raging like a lunatic in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, the minute that it killed... Yeah, right. And he's like, ah, he stepped in front of the beams. Like, no. No, the computer chose that exact moment to hook right. up to that power outlet. You know, like, right. come on, man. Yeah. Well, you know, if like your teenage is being bad, you know, you're going to be yeah. like, you know, don't do that. And that's what I'm doing with this computer. The computer killed a person and blew up an oil rigger. And I was like, hey, computer, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we should be good now. We should be all right. We should be fine. Call in the warships. <laughs> like, dude, you are. He's out of his gourd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out of his gourd. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, the second that Ensign Harper gets vaporized, I was I, I was like, oh yeah, that happens. And yeah. then he's just like, Yeah, well, you know, things happen. Yeah, I mean, you know. And I think how Kirk's like, absolutely not. Things don't just happen. Turn this thing off. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, so what I thought in that scene was like, oh man, is that tricorder all right? Is that uh, is that yeah. Trident scanner make it or is that gone? Oh no, that was fine. Yeah. Well, that's good engineering. Yeah, I like that thing. I, I was really trying to like study the uh, the actual like port that they were like oh. plugging it into. I did like though. I know. I know it was like very 60s older television but i did like the fact that when harper got the beam he didn't go like oh and then die it was just like he's gone he just he's yeah <laughs> no i did i like that scene i was not so that that kind of caught me off guard honestly is that scene where he's just like all right let me just see what it's <laughs> <laughs> like oh wow that's 
<laughs> they are not they're not messing around. Nope. But again, uh that's kind of why the ending of this to me is like like yeah. well, that's a weird it's a weird place to leave it. But yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Well, Kirk and Daystrom observe Spock and Scott attempt to gain control, but Sulu and Chekhov report it is unsuccessful. They realized that M5 had rerouted the controls while leaving the relay they were working on live as a decoy. Spock notes the illogical behavior of the M5 unit. Daystrom explains that he it, that he impressed human engrams onto the circuits. The relays are not unlike the synapses in the brain, Daystrom explains to Captain Kirk. M5 thinks, Captain. <laughs> Uhura reports the four Federation ships as part of the scheduled war exercise, or excuse me, Uhura reports the four Federation ships as part of the scheduled war exercise, but now Kirk fears the M5 will not treat it as a drill. Mm-mm-mm. I know that's like totally a space odyssey where like Hal, mm-hmm. he's like, open the pod bay doors, Hal. And he's like, I'm sorry, Dave. I, I'm sorry, know. Dave, if I can't do that. <laughs> And a lot of other science fiction stuff where the computer goes bad, right? Yeah. But it, I, I really, I always like when it's like, oh no, when they, so they, they go in and they're doing their thing and blah blah blah, and then also it's like, okay, it's like it didn't work. Uh, Yeah. Oh, the computer, it fooled Uh, us. It figured out what we were doing, (laughs) listening to us through the walls. Yeah. Yeah, I like that scene because it's like it's Scotty. It takes Scotty and and Spock like in the Jeffrey tube to do stuff. Yeah, and then and then Kirk's like, "All right, Sulu and Chekhov, you're good to go." And they're like, "Ha ha! Oh yeah!" And they're like, "Hey, wait a minute! These switches, <laughs> Captain, all the switches are dead." <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, apparently we still don't have control, Captain. And it's like, well, shoot. <laughs> We're gonna die. This would be a really bad time to go to commercial break. Yeah. Also, Daystrom being like, please, no, please, no, no, please. no, don't hurt my babies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, my child. Kirk's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like oh no, no, like no, yeah, no, like, no, please. don't do it, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mustn't, you mustn't. <laughs> yeah and then they're like oh it didn't work and he's like yeah i wasn't worried i wasn't worried at all <laughs> i knew i knew the whole time oh oof. yeah i knew that the computer would rewrite itself and they're like wow this computer really is acting more human he's like oh yeah i put my brain in it i put part of my brain in it <laughs> wow. you are leaving out a lot of details about this computer oh that's right that's right oh yeah shoot Forgot I uploaded like my entire yeah. brain <laughs> chemistry oh, to it. That's that's right. Yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and then even even like later on, they're like, all right, Daystrom, like this has really gone on too far now. Like, what are we? And he's like, I really don't know, Captain. I honestly really don't know. It's like, do you? <laughs> do you? Because you've left a lot out so far. You've really been quite dark about this whole situation (laughs) nah Mm -mm. not really sure no idea (laughs) but here's a really funny thing I don't know if you caught it 
so they're in the Jeffrey's tube. Scotty's up there and he's putting the things and he's doing all of this fancy stuff. There is a shot of Spock behind him and he has, um, you're going to know what they're called, but he has the things that like you, you put in between and it like measures either the pipe or it measures yeah. like the gap between things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know what I they're think... called. I think calipers. That's yeah, it. calipers. Yeah, he has like calipers, and he's literally just like pushing it up against the wall, <laughs> yeah. and he's just like, hmm, three inches. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, what is that doing? <laughs> and then when he comes, then they come out of the Jeffrey tube. He hands or Scotty takes the tools from him. Yeah, and it's like one of those yellow like m- mallets, and like just a those metal calipers and it's like oh space tools yeah it's totally like eh here here leonard uh nimoy just like just do something with this just play with this i don't we got nothing we ran out of the budget (laughs) probably really what happened was they got him in the jeffrey's tube and they didn't think that why would like just to have spock stand behind him they're like well if spock's standing behind him like he's got to be doing something otherwise he's just staring at scotty's like back and butt like What's Spock doing in the Jeffrey's tube? Oh, you know. Like, they're like, here, oh, quick, give him this thing. My. Hey, oh. <laughs> well, no, because it's like, yeah, you have that scene where Scotty specifically is like, well, it would only take me about an hour if Mr. Spock helps me. Yeah. And they're like, well, all right, well, you have less than an hour. And he's like, all right, let's go, Spock. And then Spock's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's always funny to me when McCoy is always like, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then it's like you have Spock, who's a science officer, and he just is like, oh, what's that, Scotty? You need me to take apart this, like, giant piece of machinery? Yeah, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Spock can do anything, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because like you said, like, Starfleet officers are trained to, like, basically be able to work on the ship no matter what. Like, yeah. know the the main functionality of, like, how the ship works and everything. The other thing that I kept thinking the whole episode was, like, like just run into the engine room and just yeah. shoot the computer with a phaser. Like, just blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> Put your yeah. phaser on, like, the highest setting. That's what my shield, no. No, no. No, you can recalibrate the... You know, that's the thing, right? Is like you have other episodes of Star Trek where they do that type of stuff where they're like, oh, let's see what kind of, uh, you know, energy this thing is putting off. And they're like, oh, okay, well, well, now we can we can reamplify the uh, phaser to like ignore that type of power output and shoot through it. Oh, they do that stuff all the time, you know? Mm hmm. Like, oh, we re-engineered, we reverse-engineered what this thing is doing, and we put that in the phaser. So now we can shoot through the phaser. Yeah. Yeah. Did it. <laughs> it's gone. Okay. Time for trivia. Oh, not again. Now you're overacting. Mm-hmm. 
So originally it was a teleplay called Spec by Lawrence N. Wolf. And then DC Fontana uh, rewrote it. So it says mathematician Lawrence N. Wolf wrote the original story for this episode, which was based on his fascination with computers. However, it emphasized the M5 unit and its creator, Dr. Daystrom, and barely featured the Enterprise crew. It was heavily rewritten by DC Fontana, who focused the storyline around Kirk's fear of being replaced by a machine. Why would they write an episode where they're like, hey, this was a really cool idea. You know what I like about this episode is that um, none of the none of the cast is in it. Yeah. I, who like, knows? Oh, yeah. People will definitely tune into that. <laughs> you know what people love about their favorite show is when all the favorite characters are not in it? Yeah. They love it. We'd love to see this guy we've never seen before and him and talk to his computer the whole episode. Yeah, they love to like wait a week for their show to be on and then they sit down with like, you know, their TV dinner and it's like, hey, you know this guy? Like, no. Like, all right, well, he's this is the whole episode. <laughs> this episode was a social commentary on the American job losses caused by increased mechanization during the 1960s. Yeah, it only got worse. It's true. But at least we stopped putting kids in um, machinery to clean them. So True. At least in this country. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Producer John Meredith Lucas bought Wolf's unsolicited teleplay because it could be made fast and cheap using only the existing Enterprise sets and decided to direct the episode himself. Weird. I just always envisioned that it's just like a group of writers so on a show and they just come up with stuff. So typically, from my limited understanding, typically... Limited. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Limited. Limited uh, understanding. <laughs> is shows that have like... Probably shows like 24 and like Lost... Yeah. Shows that yeah. like you you need to have watched the last episode to understand this episode. Oh yeah, they definitely I think have weekly writers. You would have you would have a group of writers who like that's what they're writing. They write this entire arc of this season, but shows that are more like sitcoms and more like standalones, like Star Trek is, where it's like every episode could be completely different. You don't need to have watched last week's episode to understand yeah. this episode. You can hire writers out. Right, you can just be like, "Hey, we like this guy. He makes really good short stories," or, you know, just like people like you and I, you write a story about Star Trek, and then you solicit it. You say, "Hey, I have a short story up for sale. I'd like a thousand dollars for it," and then you try to get it in the mm -hmm. hands, or you try to get it like they show in movies. Like the guy has like. I have a I have a screenplay for this movie. Like, will you take it? Like, people do that kind of stuff. They just do well, it through I... like agencies and things or people that well, they know. What have we been doing then? <laughs> well, we don't have any connections to Hollywood. Well, I mean that's the easy part. <laughs> and I think nowadays, between like social media and all that mm -hmm. stuff, like I I think it's 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 more of a game of who you know rather than yeah. what you can do. Oh, that's interesting, though. I guess I never really thought about it because every week you do this and you say, like, yeah, they bought the screenplay. So I was like, so they basically just buy like a short story that like, some dude was going to like put into like, yeah, they do it a lot. Yeah, they do it a lot. 
you'd be surprised. I think a lot of shows, especially before like like how TV shows are kind of now, like the modernization of shows. I think you'd be surprised yeah. of how many shows that you w- grew up watching. Like a lot of the episodes, not not every one of them, but a lot of them were like other people had wrote them, and then mm-hmm. you know, then they just they use it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. James Dewan, Scotty, provided the voices of the M5 computer and the unseen Commodore Enright. Oh, Scotty did? Yep. Interesting. I didn't pick up on that. You can hear his accent. You can hear his... I, I heard his him have a little bit of an com- accent. Yeah. In the Commodore, right? Yeah. But not in the computer, no. You'll like this. Commodore's Wesley high-backed command chair is the same... One used as the ISS Enterprise command chair in Mirror Mirror. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The um, one of the Facebook groups I'm in for the Kirk chair builders. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in there who is like debating whether or not to add the high back for the <laughs> the mirrorverse. Oh, I was like, that would be that would be kind of cool. So this is, like says a close-up of the, of the three scanning heads on the Trident scanner in this episode reveal them to be the reused tips from the, from the disruptor weapons from A Taste of Armageddon, which we didn't watch. Yeah, but I have to now. Yeah. It's a, it's a decent episode, but it doesn't really doesn't really perpetuate anything that you've yeah. learned about. But it shows a cool new gun. Yeah, it does. (laughs) This is the second time Kirk tells McCoy he would like to be on a long sea voyage. The first time happened in Balance of Terror. Yeah. Yeah, Pike's Pike's thing is that he wants to be on a farm. Yeah. He wants to be on a ranch. And Kirk's thing is he wants to be a a pirate. Yeah, (laughs) right. You're going to like this one. This is the fourth time Kirk talks a computer to death. (laughs) This is the fourth time? The fourth time. He used this skill in the Changeling, the Return of the Archons, and iMud. Yep. Oh, iMud. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's funny. As soon as that scene was happening... And Daystrom's like, nah, I don't know, I can't get to it. And I was like, Kirk is going to literally, like, make this thing, like, stop computing. Because he's like, what? What? <laughs> what? Why? Why you do this? <laughs> Why? Have you seen that? That meme of, like, that preacher? that keeps like, Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. Why? Okay, and finally... The remastered version replaced the stock footage used in this episode. The space station, now named Starbase 6, used images of Deep Space Station K-7 from Trouble with Tribbles in the original broadcast. In the remastered version, it was remodeled to look like Starbase 47, uh, as seen in the Star Trek Vanguard series of novels. The Woden, which used footage of the SS Botany Bay from Space Seed was redesigned as an Antares-type vessel. The crippled USS Excalibur, which reused footage of the USS Constellation from the Doomsday Machine, 
and the space battle were redesigned with new computer-generated images. Okay, that was trivia. Let's get into the conclusion. As the war games exercise begins, M5 has prevented all communication. The Lexington, Excalibur, USS Hood, and USS Potemkin are approaching. Daystrom assures that the M5 will treat it as a drill. But then the M5 attacks the Lexington and Excalibur with all weapons at full power, crippling the, the Excalibur and killing its entire crew in the process. Despite knowing that M5 would have full tactical and functional control of the Enterprise, Commodore Wesley blames Kirk for the attack. When Wesley cannot raise the Enterprise by radio, he requests approval from Starfleet Command to destroy her. Perhaps what they're trying to state is like Commodore Wesley, even though at the end of the episode, Kirk doesn't really seem to have an issue with Wesley. It seems like Wesley has an issue with Kirk. Mm -hmm. Because he calls him Dunsel, which is kind of like an a-hole thing to do. And yeah, then, considering like he is also a ship captain. <laughs> so right. It's like, uh, right. no, you're going to be replaced too then, idiot. Like, what's your... Right. Yeah. And then in this scene, like it said, like, even though he knows that the M5 isn't is in control of the Enterprise, he's like, oh my god, Kirk, like, what are you doing? Yeah, right, yeah. Like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. Like, alright, Kirk, stop shooting at us. It's like, no, it's, it's obviously not Kirk. He didn't even want the thing on board to begin with. No. And now you're like, oh yeah, he's He's shooting at us with full power. Like, why? Why would he? Why would he be shooting with you at full power? It's. I thought of you. Make totally. me take this computer on board. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of you totally when, uh, when it cuts to this one scene with Chekhov, and Chekhov like they're they're about to engage one of the ships, like the Lexington or the Excalibur. I don't remember, and mm -hmm. it cuts to Chekhov, and he's like this. Oh yeah. Oh. See, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna send you a picture later for like your for your oh. thumbnail of me doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, oh, we're closing in with we're closing in, in within phaser range. Yeah, like oh. <laughs> I mean, it just made me laugh. I like check off this episode because even when everybody's like fighting on on, on board. Yeah. And then you know that thing. The ship finally, like, basically shoots the Lexington, I think, like, disables it. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done, Daystrom. And then <laughs> check up, like, changing course, heading oh, in yeah. the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfazed. Yeah. Chekhov has seen some things, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Lexington's been disabled. We're changing course, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for the update. <laughs> Thanks for the update, buddy. Thank you. But, you know, that's like, that's kind of your job, right? So, like, I totally get. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to, you're just going to tell the captain what's going on. Like, you're just going to give him updates. Like... <laughs> right. <laughs> now that the M5 has committed murder, Kirk confronts Daystrom. Convincing him that the M5 is doing more than originally designed. 
He demands that Daystrom attempt to reason with the M5, and Daystrom admits it was his own engrams that he implanted on the machine. However, he goes mad in the effort, realizing his reputation is at stake. In his delirium, Daystrom violently lashes out at Kirk, but is subdued by a Vulcan nerve pinch from Spock. Yay. Yay. You get a lot of you get a lot of the truck things in this uh in this episode, yeah. right? Yeah, I was very Vulcan very neck happy. pinch. You get the a red shirt getting killed. Yeah, you get some Yeah. Get yeah that's right. Poem, you know, like you get some Yeah. Yeah, I like red shirts getting killed. That's my favorite. That's your favorite, yeah, I know. It doesn't happen enough in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> It was really funny though to have um Daystrom be like, Okay, listen, I'll you're right, I can talk to it. You're right. It's my brain, Kirk, I can talk to it. I'll, I'll. and then he gets over there and he's like, Okay, M five, now listen. What you just did, right, was wrong, right? You've murdered people. And it's like, Well, I was defending myself. And it's like, Well, yeah, okay. And he keeps going down this path and blah blah blah. And then he's like, and then those fools, they thought they could call me names. <laughs> like and you're like, Oh, You did this. We did this. I did it. You don't. I. We. We. (laughs) (laughs) And McCoy's like, he's on the verge of having a mental breakdown. (laughs) Oh, really? You picked up on that? You should have picked up on that from your first conversation with him. (laughs) (laughs) That. uh, I'll show Susie Tompkins. When yeah. she said in third grade that I wasn't going to be nothing. <laughs> oh, man. And he's like, <laughs> like you wow. make all these inventions. And then they just stand You're on your st- back. And they <laughs> take all the praise. You're still smart. You're still smart. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was that was good. <laughs> yeah. McCoy hauls Daystrom off to to sick bay, and Spock notes the self preservation that the M five is displaying is probably a consequence of Daystrom's engram imprinting. Hearing that Starfleet has agreed that Wesley can destroy the Enterprise, Kirk himself speaks to the computer, trying to make it recognize its responsibility in the deaths of hundreds of people as there are no more life readings on the Excalibur and reminding it of the penalty for murder. Feeling Daystrom's regret over the death, the M5's computerized voice is tinged with sadness as it announces, this unit must die. It then <laughs> shuts down, dropping the deflector shields and leaving itself open to attack to atone for its crime. Spock and Scott then disconnect the computer from the ship's control. With communications not quite restored, Kirk orders that the shields be kept down, gambling that Wesley will be both compassionate and cautious and break off the battle. Sure enough, Wesley does so, much to the crew's relief. (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) What is... The penalty for death. It's death. Then what should (laughs) you do about it? I should die. (laughs) I should. 
Yeah. <laughs> processing, processing, kill myself. Kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But okay, this is like besides the ending that's here in the next stretch. This is the uh, only other thing I thought was like I thought it was kind of dumb. No. So the unit's like, okay, I have to die. It shuts itself down and it drops the, it, um, it drops the shields, deflector screens, whatever. And it's like, okay, it's obviously waiting to get shot at because it knows, like, this is how I'm going to die. Like, let the other ships blow me up. Mm hmm. And then Kirk's like, okay, like, well, let me, give me, like, okay, let me hail the other ships. And they're like, no, that's going to take way too long. But they, it's like, but they have shields, like, access to shields. And I was thinking, yeah, like, wouldn't you think oh, having, fixing a line of communication, which is, like, literally, like, turning a switch <laughs> onto a satellite, like, whatever, whatever they have. Mm -mm. It's like, why would that take so long? No, because they have to show why humans being captain is better than ships right, being captain. Right, right. And it is it is solely for that purpose. But I felt it was like Yeah. To me He's like, Well, Captain, we got shields. And he's like, I don't need shields, I need comms. He's like, Well, that's gonna be about three hours to get comms. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think personally what would have been nice is if the thing was the shields were up and Wesley shot and Kirk is like, give me comms. And it's like, well, he just, that shot just damaged, damaged communications. It's going to take me like a few minutes to get it back up and running. And he's like, I need him up now. He's like, yeah. ah, there's nothing I can do. And he's like, well then drop shields. And then they're like, what do you mean drop shields? Like they're opening firing on us. And then he does. And then the captain's like, eh, that doesn't make any sense. Right. I feel like yep. that should have been the beat rather than they're come here they come and he's like open comms and he's like I can't and he's like okay keep shields down and they're like oh, keep shields down and then the when and then when the captain arrives he's like huh this could be a trap that the M5 could be doing but I'm not going to think that's what's happening <laughs> it's like you should exactly yep. think that's what's happening <laughs> only Stupid Starfleet captain would use the old possum routine. Yeah, right, exactly. That must mean Kirk is finally yeah. back in the chair. <laughs> Only a dunsole <laughs> would do something like this. <laughs> Only an absolute <laughs> Well, Kirk finally regained over the computer. Yeah. <laughs> Torpedo is full spread. Too funny. Way too funny. That's funny, yeah. but I, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked how it was showing you, like, oh, sure, sure. This was funny. That's funny. It was funny. No, it was because that could have been like terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. Photon torpedoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doctor Daystrom, meanwhile, is cared for in sick bay under sedation and heavy restraint to await transfer to a local rehabilitation facility under McCoy's recommendation. Kirk orders that Sulu plot a return course to Starbase 6. Sulu does so, and the Enterprise heads off 
through space. So for some some reason, the recap didn't want to uh, talk about that conversation in the turbo lift. Mm -mm. Oh, I bet if we took your brain out, it would be very illogical. (laughs) Yeah. I liked early in the episode, they didn't talk about the the recap, didn't talk about it, but he says, he says, Spock, if you say this is fascinating, (laughs) I swear to God. And he's like, hmm. No, it is interesting. <laughs> ha, I got him. <laughs> yeah, that is a great scene, yeah. <laughs> and then when he does, I think McCoy like really rolled his eyes too. He's like, oh my god. Yeah, because even even like later on, there's there's a scene where something's going on. And, oh, after he nerve after he Vulcan nerve pinches him, he's like fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good. Pretty. Yeah, he says, I simply maintain that computers are more efficient than human beings, not better. McCoy says, but which do you prefer to have around, Mr. Spock? And then Spock goes on to say some words, and at the end he says, I believe I have already answered that question, Doctor. And then where it ends, where they have to do the dumb thing, and uh, Spock says it would be most interesting to impress to impress your memory on grams on a computer, Doctor. The resulting torrential flood of illogic would be most entertaining. Got him. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. So that concludes the episode. Our review of the episode. But before we end the episode, we do the thing that everyone's been waiting for. Caleb. 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 So, Caleb, who gets the Erica Ortegas Award for being the most unlikable? Yeah, I'm going to go with Daystrom. Ooh. Yeah. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like him. That's all right. Yeah, as soon as he showed up and started telling McCoy where to be on Kirk's yeah. ship, I knew right off the bat I don't like this guy. God, this guy is not for me. This guy needs to get off the ship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who gets the Elizabeth Cutler Award for being most forgettable? The engineer that gets blown up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Harper. I think Ensign Harper was his name. Yeah. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he died in the Maybe line of duty. Who gets the Trip Tucker Award for being the MVP? Probably Kirk. Yeah, Kirk saying to the computer, why? <laughs> why? Why? Yeah, you would think that Spock would have had like a logical communication. Computers can't fight computers. No, that's true. <laughs> that's not what the Terminator movies are all about. You can't have that's not. You can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. What gets the Shran Award for the best action sequence? I'm gonna say it's when Kirk gets hit with the shield. Oh, and okay. he slides <laughs> and he slides halfway across the uh 
engine. Those must be slippery floors. Yeah, very slippery. Because he throws himself. (laughs) He throws himself and he's like slides. I like how it shoots him in the face, but he jumps to the left. That that was my favorite part. Yeah. I liked that quite a bit. Just how the, the that shield operated it just like yeah like <laughs> <laughs> so what gets the NX award for some sweet ship stuff? Pretty much have to say the M5 is like the best ship stuff. Oh wow, okay, wow! Yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah, I, I mean it was that's... the Trident scanner again. Oh, yeah, I already picked it once. That's all right. That's okay. No, the M5. I do like the Trident. I do like the Trident scanner, obviously, but I've seen the Trident scanner before. True, true. And I like the M5 as like a set piece. The, so are you gonna... the screen screen was cool. Put that in the corner of your basement. The M5 no, computer. No. Like no, but honestly, the... um, <laughs> the I did think about. I did think about kind of like over by like where like the the gas line and stuff comes in. Oh yeah. So on Kirk's chair, on the captain's chair, right, he's got that switch box for the computer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have like a good shot of it like from the side and like you know it's got vinyl written on it and it says like M5. M5, yeah. And it's got all the switches. Yeah. And I was like, hey, that would be kind of cool. You should uh <clears throat> you should label it like M6 or something, right? Like it's <laughs> yeah. the it's not it's the it's the better one. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a question I had too. Like moving forward, is they, there there's still like no that computer? No. No, because they move on from uh, they explain it. They 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 upgrade their computer systems. Right. So like Daystrom it's like a different guy. I don't know if they ever say who designs the computer systems in later on. Yeah, right. Because he's cause he sh- should be in, in prison yeah, right well he's in a rehabilitation center so yeah but well, uh, i was just gonna say like if they went out if like if now in like now you're telling me that in like next gen it's like yeah no. this is the uh this is the m10 it's like why is this guy still making computers after no, what no, happened no 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 <laughs> no they don't no um yeah because i mean you think about it in like the 20 years between the two shows it's like, I think it's like almost a hundred years in between the two series, like in in, yeah. in story. So like their technology is more advanced than than Kirk's stuff. Well, good. I was going to say because that would make the ending of this episode, like in my opinion, even worse. To be like, oh yeah, they just oh can't... that was crazy how he that all happened. Well, anyway. Well, in a weird you... way, I mean, they, they still end up using it because he designed all the like computer systems yeah. on the Enterprise. So, like, in a weird way, they still are using his, like, inventions, even though he's, yeah. like, out of his mind. But he doesn't get, like, rehabilitated and then immediately no. starts, like, well, I got to work on the M6 now. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. that's good. No, he's not like Eric Soong at the end of the Augments episode. Oh, yeah. It's not like that guy. <laughs> I hate augments. So, what gets the Porthos Award for being the cheesiest thing of the episode? Captain Kirk being like, 
five foot was able to hold Daystrom from going oh. up to the Jeffrey's tube, even though he's like clearly seven seven something. Yeah. He could have just like reached up and like grabbed the tool. Yeah. Kirk's yeah, yeah. like holding him and he's like, no. No. <laughs> but I mean Kirk did fight a Gorn and an Augment. So well, Kirk is like I think Kirk is an Augment <laughs> with his secret strength, you know? Yeah, yeah. There is a really funny thing that we won't be able to talk about for probably like 15 years. Oh god. But when we get there. Can't wait. <laughs> when we get there. I'm so excited. <laughs> And finally, what gets the Enterprise Award for the best scene of the episode? I'm going to say when Bones brings the drinks. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I really like that, too, how he, he walks in the room and he's got, like, the, the, the towel over the tray. Yeah. Kirk's like, ah, I'm really not hungry. And he's like, oh, this ain't food. <clears throat> <laughs> this is booze. And he's like, oh, right. And then he, when he drinks it, he's like, oh. Oh, it's like this is one of your your better prescriptions. Your better prescriptions, yeah. Yeah, I like that scene. Yeah. yeah. So that's my my favorite scene of the episode. I I think everybody's going to agree with you because, like, that is a very quotable thing when he talks about the ship and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I like like that that whole scene. I mean, the other one was, like, you know, Kirk making the computer blow itself up is pretty good, but <laughs> yeah, apparently that has happened a few times before. It has. <laughs> to the point oh, where Captain Captain uh, Alimar is like, at least it wasn't a computer behind a wall. Like, Yeah, well, mm. <laughs> this computer was out in the open, so. Yeah, different. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same. Not the same. This will be like, we're like, yeah, this episode's pretty good. And he'll, the, he'll comment now on this episode and be like, Oh, I hate this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where you take this opportunity to go down to the comment section and you write what you thought of the episode. Let us know. Maybe yeah. we'll feature your comment in next week's episode. You can even tell us what kind of awards you might give for the episode. What was your favorite action sequence? You know, things like that. Yeah, it's cool. We like hearing from you guys. So, yeah, keep it up. Adds to the conversation. Yeah, it gives us a lot to talk about in the beginning before yeah. we start talking about the episode. So it's yeah, perfect. yeah, it gives us a lot more to talk about when you like hearing us talk. Yeah, <laughs> why anyone would? I don't even like hearing us talk. I hate it. I put it on mute the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I I don't even listen to it when I when I edit videos. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're terrible. Yeah, but some people <laughs> comment on my videos and be like, "Hey, there's no audio." Be like, oh, perfect." You don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Captions work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. next week's episode is the season two finale. Woo. Assignment Earth. Oh, no. So that'll be real fun for Caleb. Look forward to that. Oh, God. What does that mean? <laughs> and then we get into season three, which I hear is some of the best Trek has to offer. So that's going to be absolutely. 
it's so good. There's 40 episodes and we're only talking about like three, right? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yep. And you're going to love every each and every single one of them. (laughs) Oh, God. So if you like the video, like it. If you dislike it, dislike it. Share with all your friends and family and Trek enthusiasts. And subscribe so you don't miss an episode and ring that bell for notifications so you don't miss when this episode comes out, usually weekly, or Star Trek History, which comes out weekly, or our Star Trek Adventures RPG, which comes out typically bi-weekly during the wintertime. But, as always, you can go over to Caleb's channel and... I think Caleb's got a little treat for all you TOS yeah. fans out there. Yeah, it's it's really funny that like I just decided recently that like, hey, I want to make a Trident scanner. And uh so yeah, I put that video out on Thursday. So yeah, go over to my channel and check it out. It's all it's up and it's it's great. Yeah. It's really good. I want to see in his comment section and in my comment section. I want to say people that watched the video and then made it themselves. It's not that hard. I've sat down. I'm not like Caleb. I don't have all of this like yeah. innate talent. I've sat down. I've made stuff. It's just some foam. You'll spend probably under a hundred bucks, probably under fifty bucks. Oh, you make yeah. Your own. That Trident scanner will cost you about let's see, nine dollars for the foam, ten dollars for glue. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 20 bucks, and you can get more projects, too. It's not just, like, the one. Yeah. Man, if you like the Trident scanner, there you go. stay tuned next week, because I use the same Trident tip and make, I'm making a disruptor. So, yeah. Haste of Armageddon Sonic Disruptor. So let's look for that. I like that it was super dark, like, you can't, like, it's, like, hidden from what? <laughs> Is it it because it's black or is Zoom like messing with it? It's black. Oh. Oh. Because you haven't finished painting. Yeah, I spray painted it black. I thought it was like a silhouette of like, you're not allowed to see what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like blurred. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that's coming up. Yeah, you can't have a Trident scanner without a Sonic Disruptor. No. In fact, you should make the Disruptor first and cut the tips off. (laughs) Stick them on the Trident scanner. (laughs) All right, Caleb. Take us out. All right, Retrekkers. Thanks for trekking on over to the Retrek Review. The Retrek Review for you. It's the only podcast you'll need. It's the only podcast for you if you like Retrek and Retrek Reviews. Now, Daystrom. And program. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> the Retrek Review is a Daystrom Holodeck podcast produced in association with the Plastic Underground Props, hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur, edited by Will Wilbur. Our intro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Our theme song is by Samo Studios. And our outro song is by Tommy T. Title card art created by Caleb Stoddard. Trophy art created by Adri Wilbur of Love by the Letters. Synopsis and written plot provided by 
memory-alpha.fandom.com. Star Trek is created by Gene Roddenberry and all official clips and pictures are owned by Paramount Pictures. You can follow us at The Plastic Underground Props and The Daystrom Holodeck on Instagram and on YouTube. Thanks for watching. Captain, I can't seem to turn it off. No, don't. Don't turn it off, Captain. I love it. Why? It's my, he's my son. Oh, I've created it. That's kind of where I thought the episode was going. It was like, now I use the brain of my child before he died. Don't you touch the computer? Because <laughs> that's a running theme in Star Trek, too. It's like, oh, my kid is in, like, the holodeck, like, in the ether. Please don't. Or like, me. yeah, my, my son is lost in space <laughs> between the transporter. Or <laughs> so I just, maybe. I just assumed. Maybe. It's just like Strange New Worlds, and his son is the M5 computer. <laughs>